intentional hiatus is over. Yeah. Um, um, it has been a month of mental health experiences. <laughs> for both of us, of varying degrees. Uh, we're so active. Sam and I have seen each other. It's not like we have had a falling out. <laughs> There's no a, bad blood. We're not going <laughs> um, anyway. to fight. But, um, so, okay. Here's, you might notice maybe there's a difference in sound. Maybe there's a little bit more hashtag room noise happening. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> there are also other people in the room with us right we, now. We wanted to sort of make this listening experience more communal and more fun. And so we're not of, in the closet. We're not in the closet. We're in kind of an open space. We're here with um, our my beautiful roommate and friend and Sam's girlfriend. Right. <laughs> we're here with both of our girlfriends. Yeah, we're here with Jess and Lucy. Lucy's, Lucy is... For those who don't know, Ilana's actual girlfriend, <laughs> Jessica, is my um, spiritual girlfriend. Hi. Um, that's Lucy. That's Lucy. Jess is in the shower right now. Um. So this is very cash, what's happening. And you might be wondering, wow, um, what is this? Currently, right now, it is 11.41 p.m. on <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> on the night of Thursday, um, April, April 8th. 8th. Um, Eight-year anniversary of Margaret Thatcher's death. Hashtag. International Girl Boss Day. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We've had a, a little bit to drink, I'll we're be honest. A little, we're a little bit um, intoxicated. Um, but here's here's what's happening. Um, Taylor Swift is releasing Fearless. Again. The, again. The, the Taylor's version of Fearless in simply 18 minutes. Um, and so what we're doing here is we're going to have a little live reaction. But... Okay, this is there's a lot of things TBD because ultimately it is a weeknight. Okay, it's a Thursday. It's a Thursday. It's a weeknight light. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of play it by ear, but here's what you can expect from us for this episode. We will be live reacting to all of the parentheses from the vault songs. So for those who don't know, there are four, six, there's six. six new songs. Two of them we have already heard. Two of them have been released already. Um, that. Theoretically, no one has ever heard before they, that are being released today, and they were you. Oh, uh, they were written during the Fearless recording sessions. Were cut on the, yeah, they were cut. They didn't make the album. Yeah. So she has, so she's adding them as like kind of like bonus bonus tracks. Right. To this, we've already heard two of them, which are Mr. Perfectly Fine and You All Over Me, featuring Marin Morris. Um, both of them. Just kind of to catch people up if they haven't heard them. <laughs> they're both um, great. They're both great. They also are both kind of like, they don't have, they definitely have a, have a fearless energy about them, but they don't have the fearless sound because she sounds different. Right. And You All Over Me was um, produced with Aaron Dessner, who worked a lot on Folklore and Evermore. Yep. And um, Mr. Perfectly Fine was produced by Jack Antonoff, who has worked with everybody and also specifically with Taylor on 1989 on Lover and Reputation and also on Folklore and Evermore a little bit. So like her new cast of characters coming in, reworking some of the old stuff. We're very excited to hear the From the Vault songs and that's where we're going to start. Right, Even because though, we know that that will be an earnest, sort of, like we've never heard these songs before. It'll be exciting um, to react. The rest of the songs we have obviously heard before. So we're going to kind of play it by ear 
Um, it is it is famously a twenty seven song album right, that she has given that, us. Yeah, she's giving us twenty seven songs. And so we don't know if we're going to listen to twenty seven songs tonight, but we are going to definitely listen to the songs from the Fearless album. Yep. That we already love and have a relationship with. That is most of the songs in the album, right. um, including a few of the bonus tracks. Um, and we have already heard one of the songs, which was Love Story. Yep. Um, and which is very exciting. It was very exciting. Um, but we can get a little bit more into sort of like what this project of re-recording is. I'm sure a lot yes. of people understand it, but let's let's dive into it for a second. Right. So basically, this is um, so to make a long story short, uh, Taylor's um, label, Big Machine Records, with her, her former label, is owned by this man named Scott Borchetta who is credited with discovering her. He, like, apparently, like, heard her sing in a cafe when she was 14 or whatever and, like, immediately signed her. Um, and Big Machine Records was recently, in the last, like, year and a half or so, two yeah. years maybe, I don't know the exact date, was bought by a bigger label um, who's, which is run by Scooter Braun. Scooter Braun is a big music industry guy who's sort of, like, known for managing Justin Bieber, but also is just kind of, like, in the weeds with a lot of people and was a very big part of the whole, like, bullying Taylor, especially right. during the Kanye West and Kim Kardashian thing. She, like, very publicly hates him. The Swifties very publicly are out for his absolute neck. And it was also seen, like, while Big Machine was getting bought... Taylor was was really interested in like pretty vocally interested in trying to um, take ownership of her masters, uh, which you know is a long the, there's a long explanation for like how, how ownership of music works. We won't go into that slash we don't necessarily know all the nuances of that, but basically like whoever owns the masters are the ones who are licensing out the music to other people and who are making a lot of money from those songs. So. And, Taylor and, was really interested in buying the masters when she heard that Big Machine Records was getting sold, and Scott Borchetta kind of went behind her back to, um, like, not let her get the rec- the masters, and so that was this whole thing. So, and and that compo- compounded by the fact that Scooter Braun was involved and was now going to be making money off of Taylor Swift's music. Taylor was like, "Fuck it, I'm re-recording all of my old." And and then a little bit later, while this More was recently. all happening, they the Scooter Braun sold it to like a different kind of just like a private like equity firm, basically. Yeah, like a like a third party company. Um, and initially Taylor was like kind of happy, like she was happy it was being sold, but then found out that still some of the money was going to Scooter Braun, which for her was a non-starter. So she continued on with her project of re-recording all of her music right which essentially is in the hopes of creating new versions of the six albums that were on her um her, old label yeah on her old label on her old contract so that is her debut album through um reputation through reputation yes oh damn okay. do you not know that i thought it was just through 1989 no it's through reputation so we're getting re-releases of reputation well so the thought here is that, like, the reason why she's doing this, right, is to dilute the value of the original recordings. Right. She knows that her core fan base is going to go with her on this because she has them. And I think that for other people, either they don't care enough to, like, dig into it and are going to just listen to the most readily available version. Yep. 
Or she has this, like, newly acquired legion of fans who are just, like, you know, people who, like, have maybe were younger and were not around when her music was first coming out. Or people who, for whatever reason, at the time that she was, you know, made a record like Fearless, have now, like, gotten on board with her, especially, like, since, like, Folklore and Evermore and just kind of, like, I, I think the thing is, is that it's possible that depending on how Fearless Taylor's version does and you know 1989 which we're to believe she is currently still she's currently doing the re-recordings of now right. which are also her two highest streamed albums right um if those really knock it out of the park i think that the theory is that you know they'll just be like we're coming back to the table you can buy your masters back as opposed gotcha. to making these a completely non-lucrative thing by um and i do think it's possible that she will just keep re-recording but I don't need a reputation re-record. No, I definitely don't. So, so I think that I think that that's maybe like what the thought is. Cool. Um, yeah. So. So we're we're gonna play it by ear. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. It's very exciting. I like it's it's so much. Um, there's so much potential. There's so many questions. What do you? What are you like looking for out of this? Like, what would be an exciting result? But what, what, what's, like, we finish listening to the songs that we hear and, like, what makes you feel, like, good and satisfied and, like, she nailed it? I will feel, like, I will feel really satisfied if I feel like the content is either, like, the same or improved. Um, I don't, like, I don't know how, like, this, this is the thing. We, so, we know so little about, like, how much liberty is she taking here? Like, what... Is she going to change anything? Based on Love Story, like, she didn't change that much. I mean, some of the mixing was different. And, her voice sounds better. And her voice sounds better. Is the big thing. That's the big thing. So, I, I'm expecting to have hear all of these songs um, sung better <clears throat> than they were when they were initially recorded. Um, because, well, we may talk about it as it comes up, but a big gripe that I have with a lot of early Taylor is that... She just, like, is not singing well. A lot of her voice, a lot of the songs sound like her voice is really being strained. She's not singing very full. Um, but she has since become a much better singer. Um, and, or is singing music that kind of suits her voice a little bit more. But if we're to go based purely on Love Story, like, there is a notable improvement in, like, the quality of her singing. And, yeah, and also, as you said, the mix is a little better. Yeah, so I think... Which is... Probably in part to the fact that her voice is carrying a lot more of the sound. Right, exactly. And so I think um, we're going to see... I think we're going to hear these songs sung better. I just... I wonder if she's going to take any, like, huge liberties with the arrangements or um, the mixing or the background vocals or whatever. Um, and if she does take liberties, I hope it improves the, the original product. Um, so long answer to a, a question, your question, I will be like satisfied if I don't feel like any of the song of the music was like diminished in quality because of the re-recording. Okay. What about you? What, what, what will satisfy you? Um, I would say I largely agree with that. I mean, I think, and this I think can get a little bit into the next part of this, which is like, what is your personal relationship with this right. album? Um, I was not a I was never a full Taylor Swift hater I was not like other girls but I wasn't that much not like other girls <laughs> um and 
I think also just like being somebody who like we were sort of born in like really peak time to be a Taylor Swift fan. Yeah. Um, but I definitely don't think that I like related to the girlhood that she was describing. <laughs> so I like was very much like knew her hits, um, at least from like her debut through Speak Now. Um, by Red and 1989 and all of that, like that was a little bit more when I was like an active fan of her early high school, late high school, um, while new music was coming out more and more. Right. Um, and then through college, I think like obviously college was when Reputation came out, which was not a record <laughs> I was very into at all. Right. I like listened to Lover um, and then kind of reignited the how much I really like her probably. Um, with folklore and evermore though mm -hmm. though I, I was I, I listened to a lot of her back catalog at that time right um and so for me like fearless as a full album was something that i didn't really like take a deep dive into until uh, years after it came out right um and so obviously the hits on fearless are her first I mean, other than, I would say, our song. Right. I think her first, like, truly great songs are on Fearless. Yeah. Like, You Belong With Me, 15, Love, Love Story. Story. I love White Horse. A lot of people don't love White Horse. Forever and Always, like, I love the title track as well. Like, there's, yeah. a, there's so many just great, great songs on this. But my um, emotional and nostalgic attachment to it is not super high. So yeah. I think that there are some people... For like the little details like are so important to them i totally respect that i totally get it but if she took large creative liberties that improved the songs like i would be fine with it yes i don't think that's what she's going to do because the goal is that she's going to make something that will be a suitable alternative to the original and right. because of that she, she can't really do anything super differently yeah um something that could theoretically replace, replace the old stuff um, yeah, I'm kind of in a similar spot. I, um, this came out in what, 2008, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so 2008, I was 11, 11, 10, 11, um, and, you know, hadn't, um, learned or accepted a lot of things about myself. And so I thought because... Wait, like what thing? Was like, like, um, <laughs> my attraction to men and wait, um wait what i know right <laughs> um this may surprise some of you but ilana and i are actually both gay <laughs> um, uh, um but anyway so i like i was very much in um i need to be doing what boys are doing and so liking taylor swift was really not on the table so i didn't even consider diving into taylor swift so my only like exposure to fearless when it was coming out were was love story and you belong with me right i like the were any of the other at 15 15 a little bit i like was aware of it white horse maybe a little bit but besides that like very much not like i i was only aware of the ones that charted really high and that were played on top 40 radio because i was very very obsessed with um seeming normal and seeming popular um, before I complete... It's second, midnight. It's midnight. Okay. Quickly, given all of that context that we just said for Fearless, like, do you like, like, what, what are, like, what are your qual going into this, what are your, like, qualitative opinions about Fearless as an album? 
Like, do you like it? Do you think it's a good album? I think it's a really good album. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it has, as far as, like, the quality of this album, particularly, like, it as, like, a sophomore record for somebody who was so young, I think it's a great album. Yeah. Jess, do you want to say anything on this? You don't have to. On what? Do you want to talk about Fearless a little bit? Yeah, what's your relationship? Again, no crash. What's your relationship to Fearless? This is just for context. Jessica is like the the resident OG Swifty. I was an OG Swifty. Yeah, I was introduced to her at summer camp and sort of the love affair continued from then on. Yeah, I mean, just like being in her world was really magical. I went to probably like four of her concerts between the ages of like nine and 14. Um, yeah, and then, like, me and my sister got so into country music because of her. It was, like, really a very special time. Um, and just, like, going to her concerts and being in, like, her universe, which, like, to this day, she has, like, carried on and extended even more, which is really amazing. But, yeah, being there as, like, a young girl was, like, very, very special. Um, because, as I've said before, I've said two things about Taylor Swift, and those are... That she will not be gaslit by men. <laughs> Never. She drew had no idea who she was. <laughs> she became famous because of him. And then also, um, she's really unfazed by being a girl. And that yeah. was that was really cool to see. Um, she just like had so many feelings. Um, I don't know, and it was really special to get to share that. I remember feeling like just very connected to the people who also love Taylor Swift. Love it. Yeah. So yeah. I, my, my thoughts on, like, Fearless as an album, um, thank you for that contribution. You're welcome. <laughs> um, is, like, I, looking back, I, because I think I don't have the nostalgia factor, I think I'm a little bit more critical. I think Fearless is a great album. I think the first half of Fearless is, like, fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think the first half is great. It loses me a little bit once, they, once it hits You Belong With Me. Um, but... The bonus tracks, like the original bonus tracks, not the bonus tracks that are we're, we're experiencing tonight, I think are fantastic. I think Jump and Fall, Come with, Come In With The Rain, Other Side Of The Door are three of like my favorites of all time. So I'm excited. I hope this will make me like the album more. I would say right now I, I do like it, but it is, it is probably mid-tier. Cool. Yeah. Well, Lucy, do you have anything you want to say? About Taylor Swift? No, yeah. just about Fearless. About Fearless? So my first experience with, well, I remember Taylor Swift was like on my radar, but not really. But the first time I remember being like, oh, this is a person, I was um, on a birthday trip to Forks, Washington with my friends. <laughs> oh, my oh my god! Famously, I am from Washington State, Seattle specifically. We <laughs> took a Forks tour. Um, <laughs> oh my god! All of Twilight, we went to La Push, we went to Edward Cullen's house, and all the places. We went to Port Angeles and ordered the like dumb mushroom pasta that Bella gets. Oh my god! But that whole car ride, and the, I, this is also relevant. Like my fourth grade crush was on this trip, and I was with these like three girls, and that whole car ride, they were all just like belting fearless because it had just come out at that point, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there like. Know what's going on, and I don't know what this is, but I think that inspired me to maybe get a little bit more curious about the culture. It is a culture. The fact that this intersected with Twilight culture. I cannot handle this right now. Well, you know, like what two things are you into in the fourth grade? Right, exactly. Obviously, probably not Twilight, but that was the case at the time. (laughs) I'm so 
fucking happy both of you are here. <laughs> okay, so as we said, um, we're gonna start with the bonus tracks. Um, or start start with the hashtag from the vault. Right. Um, we already have heard you all over me and Mr. Perfectly Fine, so I think we are going to move towards the other four, which are We Were Happy, That's When, featuring famous Australian country singer Keith Urban, <laughs> Don't You and Bye Bye Baby. So we will say, a, co- a caveat for how this is going to go, we kind of famously got absolutely attacked by Taylor's team last time we tried to include some of Taylor's music in um, the pod. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to sort of like say what song we're about to listen to both of both will press pause on the recording and you should press pause on this podcast listen to the song and then come back and we will give our reaction so or if you've already heard it right okay so we're okay. about to start i'm going to turn on my little battery 100 percent. Oh, absolutely it is so we're going to start with Wish We Were Happy, ta- parentheses, Taylor's version, parentheses, from the vault. So this is, this. sorry, what was this one called? We Were Happy. We Were Happy. Okay, I'm going to pause on the recording. Okay. What are our thoughts, ladies? I thought that was beautiful. I loved that a lot. So, so a little surprise um, lower harmony moment from Keith Urban, um, not credited, which was very cool. I love to see a man absolutely not acknowledged for his work. Yeah. I One thing that I like about this, and so she did a similar thing with Mary Morris on the You All Over Me. I like, so so for all, on all of her, on pretty much, on most of her songs from the first album, Fear, this one, and Speak Now, um, Nathan Chapman was doing lower harmony on like a ton of the music. Who was her major producer? At the yeah, time. she was. He was like a big partner of hers. Um, and Mary Morris and Keith Urban now have taken his place, sort of in these songs. And I think it's cool that she's taken like huge country people to replace Nathan Chapman, as opposed to like Jack Antonoff or Aaron Dessner. Um, because it's like a very, it's a cool like homage to the fact that this, she was very much like entrenched in country imagery. I love the, um, I, that was a Jack Antonoff yep. production, which you could, I felt like you could hear. Yeah. Um, I feel like the strings were really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Very it was like well. very slow, kind of a waltz. I don't know if it was literally a waltz, but very waltzy. Singing about getting married. I feel like if she had released this with the original album, it would have been, like, just so annoying. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, Who was she talking glad, about? Sorry, sorry, Drew. I was going to say, I'm glad this was in the vault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, who do we think that was about? Because she was literally, there's, like, literally lines about getting married. Okay, here's the thing about Taylor Swift, and I know this because I watched her vlogs. Um, <laughs> Is that she really was not in, like, living the country lifestyle as, like, a high schooler for that long before she, like, kind of stopped doing the high school thing. Right. Music full time. So it's just, like, all these, like, very nostalgic, like, country high school memories, like, are coming from, like, really, like, one One year. Um, Because I don't remember when she moved to Nashville, but I think she was probably, like, 12 or 13. I think she only went to one year. Yeah, exactly. So it's just funny to think that all of this was, like, crammed into that time. Right. Um,. Yeah, that was so. It could, she, she really could have been singing about like some. Random. She could have been, it could have been about 
through. Right, it could have been about someone that like literally doesn't know who she was is. Not true. Oh, and I love that. Yeah. All right, should we? I really like. I really liked that. Yeah, yeah. That was, was that was really nice. Okay, what's the next one? So the next one that we are doing is um, that's when Taylor's version from the vault. And this is um, explicitly featuring Keith Urban. So I think we should be led to believe that he maybe has, like, a verse. Yeah, and something interesting that I'm going to be curious about is there's, will Keith Urban start? Because because Taylor always gives the man a first verse. It's like every time. Brendan Urie was, like, the first man to be featured on a Taylor Swift song and not have the first verse. So... Let's see if I'm feminism interested. is going to win tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is, what's the song called? This is That's When, parenthesis, featuring Keith Urban, parenthesis, Taylor version, parenthesis, from the, from the vault. <laughs> Thank fucking God. Okay. All right. Okay, feminism won. Feminism, guys, we're happy to report that on April 9th, Feminism of 2021, won. Feminism won. Taylor took the first verse. That was great. That was great. That a nice, upbeat, classic, like, early Taylor country song. Some nice harmonies. Doing some harmonies with herself. We love. Also, Cool Jack production. Does yeah. not feel like it came from Fearless, specifically. No. Like, texturally, I would say. Yeah. But, um, it... <laughs> but I think, it, but again, it's still the same spirit, like, vibe. Yeah. But it, sound, it sounds... Simple, like, melody. Just awesome. I really liked that a lot. Yeah. Still... I'm going to go back and listen to that, like, definitely. Yeah. Um, I would say um, re-Keith Urban. Um, definitely not necessary, but, like, welcome. Yeah. That's how I feel. I think he sounded great. But, I mean, if anything, he added texture to the harmonies, which was good. Is there, do you two have an insight as to, like, why Keith Urban? No. No, my guess was that maybe he was supposed to be on it originally. Or, or like, she's intentionally picking people who are, like, huge in the country world. She also, she, um, opened for him. I think oh. right around Fearless coming out. Right. Oh. Um, and also, they were just, like, kind of always, like, Again, like when they would play the music videos on the Country Music Channel, there are music videos. Like it would be Keith Urban and the Taylor Swift. They were show. big at the same time. Yeah, they were big at the same time, and I think it was like honestly kind of cool that he picked this like young girl who was singing about her crushes to be his opener because yeah, he that was is like really cool. the biggest person in well, one of the biggest people in country at the time. Completely. Yeah. Very cool. Cool. Okay. So I really liked that. Yeah. The thumbs up, big thumbs up to that song. Yeah, I feel really positive about that. Um, so the next track we are going to be talking about is Don't You, parentheses Taylor version, parentheses from the vault. BRB. All right. We're back. Um, Sam, did we just enter the Folklorean woods? <laughs> I think we maybe did. That song definitely felt like a folklore slash evermore B-side vibe you like what i would not have guessed that that was written at the time of fearless yeah i mean i think it was like I, the production on it i think was is what we're talking about is yes. quite interesting and yeah. i think that the thing that has been sort of the theme among all of these is like none of these sound like they were produced for fearless uh yeah but this this one i think more so than the other two yeah definitely this, it felt it felt very now 
the sort of like beat that comes in that like underwater kind of like yeah um yeah i did i liked it yeah kind of mellow kind of mellow i feel like this is either something that is just sort of like chill or is like to be a grower yeah but i feel like if this were released in 2008 or whenever that would have been like i don't know i don't think it would i don't think it would have been chill at all no yeah. Right, like, had this been out in the original version, that might have been on piano, that might have been on, you know... Yeah, it, it, I think it, it probably would have swung either way. It probably would have been, either would have been, like, a, um, like, you're not sorry, like, mm-hmm. very, like, guitar, or, like, a, like, yeah. you belong with Don't me. You. All right. <laughs> oh my god, gorgeous. Cool. Okay, so we're gonna enter the last, um, unheard Hashtag from the vault track. I love that. We just um, opened up uh, the, the preserved lemon bars. Lucy, can you give a... Give a review of the lemon They're bars. They're very good. The preserved lemon adds something that can't be achieved by normal lemon bars. A je ne sais quoi. A je ne sais quoi. I'm going to break into them after this song. I think I am too. Okay. Um, what's this last song called? So this last one is called Bye Bye Baby. Bye Bye Baby. Um, I have a feeling this one's going to be fun. I feel baby, like... Baby. Baby Baby. Uh, yeah, prediction alert, fun song. Um, I'm looking at the um, just the credits right now. I still can't seem to find the production credit, though I do think this is another Jack one. This one says Jack Antonoff. Okay, well. and there's a Liz Rose credit on it too, yeah. and that is a good vibe to me always. Yes. Um. All right, so we're going to break into that as they break into some lemon bars. I'm extremely excited about that. All right. Bye-bye, baby. Best for last, IMO. I think that's been the that's my favorite. Um, another another cool production. Yeah. Um, we were saying kind of like nineties girl rock. Feel, feels like you could definitely tell it was written at the same time as Fearless. Here's some notes I want to make on this because okay. I have been sitting here with the genius lyrics and the lyrics for this have been. Like, yeah, the other day when I was kind of, like, sifting through the credits for this on Genius mm-hmm. while I was at work, <laughs> um, they had the lyrics for most of these from the Vault songs, because a lot of these were things that, like, on the deep web of Taylor, I guess, had been leaked at some point. Yeah. But the lyrics for this on Genius are very incorrect. Yeah. Um, and this brings up two points with me. The first is that, like, in my mind, like, some of these from the Vault songs, like, definitely could have been changed over the last few years and we wouldn't have a way of knowing. I'm personally fine with that. I think part of the reimagining of this could be changing lyrics. Yeah. But the lyrics that she changed, the one that stuck them out to me the most, was at the end of the chorus said, and all you have to do is walk away. Um, and she said, like, and you, like, weren't able to keep me, I think, was the lyric. The, the line at the end of the chorus every time was, um, you took me home, but you couldn't keep me or something like that. Right. And she says, the original one was, and all you have to do is walk away from the one thing I thought would never leave me. And that is a hashtag girl boss <laughs> change, but it is right. though. Cause it's not like, it's not about him leaving. It's about her saying like, you couldn't keep me. Yeah. And I, I love how whatever re, whatever version that she created, I think, 
if this was a version that existed before, which we don't know for sure, right. there is kind of like a reassertion of her agency in that lyrical choice, and I really like it. I like it. that. And then she did, a even with that, a classic Taylor, Taylor Swift, a Swiftian switch <laughs> on the last chorus and made the last line, you took me home, but you thought you couldn't keep me or something. Like, it was like, it was... Changed the context a little bit. Great one. That was I, great. I really liked that I'm excited to revisit that. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we are exiting the Folklorian Woods. <laughs> yeah, we're exiting the Folklorian Woods. How how do we feel about this from the vault songs as a whole? I I felt very positively about that. Yeah. I loved them. I loved them. Net pause. Um, they weren't... I, th- I think that maybe if they had been produced and created under the context that Fearless was, I could see why these were cut. But yeah. I think given the new production and given the new sort of flavor, they felt like an awesome addition. Completely. That still, in my mind, feel that they would like belong to a like newer part yeah. of her catalog, if yeah. you will. Mm-hmm. I do I do think that last one sound sounded I like I could see that on Fearless being a good like Yeah. That it, was one that maybe I think maybe was cut for a different reason. Because I thought that I thought that was really good. I agree. Wow, thanks Taylor for the new music, the new old music. So now we're gonna move into the part of the pod that's a little bit more ambiguous. I was about to shorten ambiguous to ambig, and I decided against it. Um, so I think from here we're gonna kind of just like listen. We're gonna like hop and skip around to the songs that like we know that we're going to want to hear the new versions of um, and basically go until we lose steam, I think is the vibe. Yeah. And so we'll plug in. We'll plug in in a bit. Yeah. So if if you're listening to this, maybe go take a break, have a glass of water, listen to this record if you have not. Great. Cool. BRB. So, hello, everyone. Um, it is one o nine a.m. The, our girlfriends have gone to sleep. Um, we just we're we have now listened to a little over half. A little over half. I say actually about half. Okay. Right. Yeah. We've listened to like ten, so ten of them probably. Yeah. Um, we're very tired. And our our thinking is that we're gonna do is we're gonna give you our initial takes, and probably tomorrow we are going to. After we have a long night of sleep and some more time to listen to this, give more full thoughts. We can talk yeah. about the way we're feeling about this record alongside just the re-recording projects in general. Mm-hmm. We can tell you more about what it seems like the reactions have been generally. According to Twitter, people are feeling very excited about it. But that's yeah. also people who are awake at 1 o'clock in the morning <laughs> tweeting about Taylor Swift, which is, I'm going to say, a very biased sample size. Yeah, definitely. Um, But Sam, what are your initial takes? Um, I'm... Based on my criteria stated prior, I'm extremely satisfied. I agree. I think it sounds like fearless. Yep. With a better mix and a significant improvement in the vocals. Yeah, it's it is it's kind of crazy how much better some of these songs sound now that she's like just come into her own vocally a little bit more. Like blanket statement, like in general. The drums are a little bit more forward in most of the songs. 
There's some, uh, like, mandolin movement. Yeah, like, very... The, the, the songs that have the most noted differences are You Belong With Me. There are just, like, a few different uh, differences in, like, the way she phrases things and some drumming stuff. And then you notice some stuff in Fearless. Yeah. The song um, Fearless. Yeah. I mean, I think that overall, like... I was going to say, for me, the one that we've listened to so far that has stuck out the most to me was You Belong With Me. Same. Um, I also think part of that is... I have listened to this whole album quite a bit, but that is the song I have probably heard the most. Yeah. Just because it was, you know... Ubiquitous for so long. Um... I think also The Way I Loved You, which is a song that has also just been kind of having like a little bit of a resurgence, like even on like TikTok, like I've just been hearing oh, it really? around a lot more. Yeah. Um, something about the original vocal take of that song is she sounds so young. Yeah. Um, and it, there is just so much like power and depth behind. Right. Yeah. I mean. And, and now, and because of that, Another sort of general like difference is like the harmonies. So Nathan Chapman, the who does the lower vo- voices on all of his all of her music before this, like because uh, he produced because he was her primary producer. Um, a lot of what he did was like thicken up the like give a lot of meat to the song to the to the um, vocals, and because she kind of has generated her own meat if you will <laughs> it's simply 115 um <laughs> ladies are you generating your own meat <laughs> as an act of feminism um like the harmony the harmonies act less as like a thickening tool and more as like decorative yeah they it, so, it communicates her, her voice communicates emotion better yes and so they're yeah. they're a little bit softer than they were in the original and especially on the top harmonies, you can really hear her. Like, they really, like, it really sounds like, um, especially on You Belong With Me, I noticed, like, you could, it sounds like there are two of her singing two different notes in, like, a really distinct way. So those, yeah, that, those are our thoughts right now. Can I ask you a question? I think we're probably going to have a better answer for this tomorrow. Do you think based off of this initial listen of mo- uh, a chunk of the record, is this going to do what she wants it to? Do you think that people are going to defer to these versions over the original? Um, I think it's tough. I will. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I, like, I don't have any nostalgic or emotional attachment. And they're similar enough that like it's not distracting. Yeah. Do you think that At you would just be me. able to hear it? Do you think if someone played you one of the songs, but oh, this one, the new ones? Um, with some of them, definitely. Like, Love Story, You Belong With Me, I probably could hear it. Some of the other ones, I don't know. Yeah. Because I just don't know them as well. Um, like, I'm good doing that. Cool. But I, I don't know. I'm interested. I mean, I obviously, it, right now, like, this was a question that I had, like, because she, regardless of who owns the Masters, I think she still has control over her Spotify page. Her, like, she has the power to take her music on or off streaming platforms, regardless yeah. of who, quote-unquote, owns the Masters. So, I wonder, like, would she take the OG Fearless off of those streaming platforms and see what happens? Maybe it's simply too late in the night to answer this question. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not somebody who 
is I mean I think chart data and streaming data can be interesting but it's not a metric I think about often right like it's just right. not that just isn't like super relevant to a lot of the music that I listen to but it's very relevant to her right and I think that the data around this album and how it is received and how many people are actually listening to it um, is going to really impact a lot of things. Yeah. And I'm curious to see, um, obviously this all just shot up to number one on all of the charts. Yeah. Um, there aren't any major releases happening tonight. Um, it is New Music Friday famously, but I... Right. But Thanks, Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> we have been in kind of like a, um... I don't want to say, like, a dry spell. There's been, like, a lot of good music coming out recently, but there hasn't been, like, um, eventful music coming out recently. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the ones that, like, Lana maybe was the most recent one, but it turned out to kind of be a non-event, so. Yeah. She definitely has a captive audience at the moment among pop music watchers. Yeah. So I, I would be curious to see how that goes. And I'm also just, like, honestly curious to see what other smart people have to say about this. Like, mm-hmm. I will be... So, sometimes um, when I'm still developing my feelings on something, music-wise, I try to not read a lot of reviews and, and thoughts on it just because I want to make sure I'm creating my own judgments. But I I need other people to also help me know how I feel about this. Yeah, especially given that like so much of it is not new, quote-unquote new. Yeah. Like, there's not as much of a need, I think, to like... Um... Make sure I'm formulating. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But cool. But so yeah, we're going to circle back on this. We're both yeah, we're going to record again tomorrow. So freaking yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys, <laughs> to another Emergency for... Swiftian episode. <laughs> a little um, bit of a change in form. And we will be Oz. back. Yeah, we'll be back. We're officially off. We're declaring that um, our yeah. mental health is better. So Yeah. <laughs> our hiatus is over. Um, we'll be back tomorrow with more formulated, enthusiastic takes. I am off to go drift off to a beautiful night of slumber. Me as well. Um, and we just, again, celebrate you listening to this and hope that you're having a good time rediscovering yeah. the music of your youth or discovering... New music. We're discovering new music. I'm so tired. Yeah. Um, All right, well... <laughs> Toodaloo. Talk to you later. We'll talk to you later. BRB. Hi. Hi, everyone. It's been a fall 36, maybe? Yeah, I'd say around there. We are also in another kind of different location. We're, we're, we're in our, our friend's, friend's apartment. Par- he is, um, he is gone and he we were cat sitting for his beautiful angel named stevie after <sighs> nicks <laughs> so if if you hear any meowing or um different kinds of just different kinds of noises that's what's happening yeah yeah so, so uh, sam how have you upon you know giving ourselves kind of a full day of mm-hmm. absorption of listening of reading of whatever where are you at with fearless parentheses taylor's version I think I'm kind of where I was when we checked in at the end of two nights ago. Yeah. Or whatever. I'm I'm feeling very like satisfied with what's what's what with what's happened. Yeah. I feel like all of the songs were at worst the same and at best improved. Yeah. I think that like in the last like couple of days, like I've been thinking about this like project and like 
the questions that it's going to be posing yeah. for like musicologists and like <laughs> patent lawyers, right. you know, because it's like it's really similar. I mean, like the different yeah. the differences are like just that like it like it feels like it's a little bit more of like a remastering and that's like kind of what i've yeah. heard from some publications have said right is like it's it's like uncanny at times like her vocal yeah. inflection is there i mean but her, her voice does sound a lot better the yeah. mix sounds better but she has definitely intentionally like amped up the twang in the same places that she did when it was first recorded which is not something that she does anymore like at all yeah so yeah like, she, she really did not take any liberties, really, at all. Yeah, I guess I, like, I'm, like... And, and, but I think that what was cool, what I really liked was, like, the way... I mean, I think that the From the Vault tracks um, are more interesting to me than they are, like, great. Yes, I feel the same. I don't think that, like, any of them are her strongest... I, I think it makes sense why they were all kept from the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as far as like the one that I've kind of returned to the most, it's been Mr. Perfectly Fine, just because it's a little, it's very catchy. Yeah. It's kind of a bop. I've returned to Bye Bye Baby. But Bye uh, Bye Baby, I think my, Bye Bye Baby is great. I think that's probably the best one. Yeah. That or You All, I think You All Over Me is fantastic. Yeah. Like, I think that what was really, what's cool about it is it's like clearly her like fearless sensibilities with a production style that is a lot more like the work that she has been doing particularly in the last year and so like I would be really interested and I don't think this is ever going to happen I don't think it needs to and hearing though like the Aaron Destner Jack Antonoff cut of fearless yeah like what would that sound like yeah um and i think that that was sort of what she was giving us a little bit with, with those tracks, tracks because they they don't sound like from a son- sonically they don't sound anything like fearless right. and I, I also think the production on them are really cool yeah um i just think they're like not really super interesting like they're not the most interesting song she's ever made no i agree and it's interesting like now that this has happened and like we've done it like i wonder what Cause I was thinking about so like the the sort of rumor mill is that the next one to come out is going to be the 1989 yeah. re-recordings. I have a lot of questions about that. Yes, because this because by 1989 she hadn't gone like full like digital yet, but like a lot of the instrumentation on 1989 is produced on a computer, so there isn't a whole lot of like redoing that needs to happen or rather if it does need to happen it's pretty easy to just kind of like replicate it pretty much exactly but i guess i'm wondering like does she have like the stems to everything because like with fearless like that is music made by a band very very easy to and she she used her touring band to make all the music right so like those are people who know the songs inside and out and they're songs that you can recreate with a full band yeah and, like, various instrumentalists that would be featured. But, like, 1989 is not, like, like that, as you were saying. Right. And, and so, like, I'm wondering, like, how... Because this one... Th- this one was at least, like, for those who really knew the music, like... It, you can hear the difference between the versions. I can see her putting out a version of 1989 that we, like, can't even really hear the ver- the differences between the versions... Which maybe is fine, but I think if she wants to have um, as much like hype going into it, 
and like have it be as kind of satisfying as this one has maybe she does have to take more artistic liberties or put out twice as many bonus tracks like do do the re-recording of 1989 but then put out like a 1989 like new version and do style featuring harry styles and take all of those liberties because like I think it's going to be hard to have make it feel exciting if she is taking as few liberties as she did on Fearless. Yeah, I think like I think that also like you and I maybe have to keep in mind how our wants of this are probably not representative of most people's and also maybe like the real Swifties. Right. Because like for you and I like I mean, first of all, like, I'm in total support of the point that she's making with this. I think that, like, like laws about music ownership are really interesting, and mm. they have fucked over a lot of people. Notably, not mostly people who are like Taylor Swift, because I think we, like, have to keep in mind that, like, Taylor Swift is, is there's no one on the planet who could pull what she's pulling right now. Right. But also, like... If you even go back far enough, like, yes, like, her whole thing was she was like, I had signed this deal when I was 14, and how was I, you know, how was I supposed to know that? And, like, she's right about that. But also, like, Taylor Swift was a, like, young white woman who had parents who did not need her career to financially sustain them at all. You know, they were, like, from an upper-middle-class family. Her father was a, like he's a stockbroker or he was a stockbroker. So he was like clearly someone who like had been in boardrooms before was capable of talking about this, understood the finances of the deal and had people who were able to advocate for her even at that young age, which is something that like no one that nobody has. And like, if you look at like the history of people who have been exploited by music licensing and royalties and all this stuff, Mm -hmm. it's not the Taylor Swift's of the world. It's like, you know, like, NWA. That was like right. a huge thing for them. Like TLC made like no money off yeah. of their earlier records. Like it, it is largely Same with the chicks. Yeah. It's 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 largely like lower income people who sign record deals. It's largely like a, a lot of black artists. Like this is yeah. something Prince talked about a lot because he was the whole if you don't own your masters, your masters own you. Right. And so so I think that what she's doing is really cool. I actually wish that she was talking a little bit more about it outside of herself because I think that she has sort of like, I think if you're like a Swifty who isn't someone who's maybe going to, you know, take the time to like learn about all this stuff, which make like not everyone is going to, Mm -hmm. they might think that this is like kind of a thing that is unique to her and it's like not, nobody owns their masters. Like, and also of anyone who this might happen to, Taylor Swift is the person who's probably going to be financially impacted the least. Right. And so what I'm saying, for me, like, there are definitely Swifties out there who, like, for them, listening to Fearless Taylor's version is really important to them. Because right. they're like, it's so important to me that, like, you know, I, I, I support her in this. And, like, again, while I do have a lot of support for the project, I don't personally care if Taylor Swift makes money off of me at all. Like... She has enough money. She has plenty of money. It's like the people who, like when she took her music off of Spotify to make that point, like I think that that is like true. But the people who are being burnt by Spotify royalties are not the Taylor Swifts of the world. They're like everybody else. And 
while again like this like I do think that like you know Taylor taking her music off of Spotify and Taylor Taylor exerting this thing is would be big enough for certain you know for Spotify to change their royalty laws right because they right they they lose money if Taylor Swift is not on Spotify but in this case like it's not like all of a sudden like other smaller artists who are on these contracts are like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to re-record all of my music. Because, like, right, that's, that's not something that people can just do. Like, Yeah, the, there, that's that's so true. Like, I, I admire, you know, and Taylor is going about this in a very Swiftian way, and she's going absolutely, like, above and beyond just for, like, the principle of it all, which I love, and it's iconic, and, like, and the message that she's sending is great, but, like, if she's not talking about people who are even just like a level below her, like people who aren't, who are touring and really successful, but are not filling stadiums. Yeah. Right. Like those people, it costs, if they wanted to do anything like this and wanted to garner any sort of like leverage over the, their labels, like, you know, re-recording your music for them is a huge financial burden. Yeah. And like, it's, you're, they're going to lose money because their label can just drop them. They're, so it's iconic that Taylor is just kind of doing this for the principle, but like I don't know actually how much this is going to accomplish on like a music industry level. Yeah, no, I, that's, that's sort of... Which I think circles back to my point of like, I'm, I would be more interested in hearing reimaginings of the albums because right. like I don't... like. I don't really feel like I have any skin in the game. Like, yeah. I probably will listen to the Taylor's versions moving forward because I think that, A, they're going to be popped up higher in the algorithm, so they're yeah. just going to be easier to find on, like, Spotify. Yeah. And also, like, they sound better, in my opinion. Yeah. But, like, I, I just, like, think, like, it's a fight that she is fighting the correct fights, but not necessarily, like, taking a step back and... She's going to win this battle, but I don't know if she's going to, like, do anything for well, the winning of the war. But I'm even saying, like, when I think about Taylor's, like, that whole, like, sexual assault thing. Right. Where she went and she, like, you know, there was, like, a radio DJ who had groped her. She had said that that happened. The radio DJ got fired. He sued her for, like, a fuck ton of money. And then she countersued him for one dollar, right? Just to make the point that like that it's unacceptable that's unacceptable. Happened, yeah. And I like I told I think that's very cool that she did that, right? Like I think that like it's not okay to grope somebody, like it's, right. it's, it's like you know like and it was like apparently pretty like not yeah it was very gross yeah but like I think that like for her it became this sort of like. Thing, and I think that it's like, yes, it is like absolutely like it's shit that that happened. I'm so happy that she made that point. But like Taylor Swift probably doesn't need to be centered uh, in the conversation of sexual violence against women. Right. Or, you know, artists making financial gains off of their music. Right. She's She has hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Like... She's fine. She's fine. And she also never needed to... She never has needed to make money to support herself. Right. Like, like... Right. And I I think, like, I would just like it if she 
would just make like if she like did this project and also maybe acknowledged yes this is important to me yes I'm proving this point and this is not just a me thing and she obviously like has talked about that in interviews it's not like she is like yeah. it's not like she is like oh I'm the only person who's done this and she's spoken a lot about how she's like well actually artists are the only people who do really know their work inside and out and that's why it's important that they own them right. and in a way that was what she was showing with this because she so clearly knows this art inside and out right. Scooter Braun couldn't go and make this re-recording right exactly like and, and I, I I am all completely with her on that but it's just like I don't like these are just millionaires fighting, right? Like, for I don't, the principle. Yeah, I don't really care. Like, and she does a great job of making that seem like a really righteous fight. And again, I agree. and it is a righteous fight for the people that it actually affects. But she, but it's not. But she's not fighting for the people that actually it actually affects. I mean, I think in theory she's fighting for the people that it actually affects, but like it's hard to know if like that will be an impactful. Yeah, I mean, but what is she doing besides being like it's not okay, you should own your masters. It would it would just like me it would mean way more if she were like you know, mentoring artists and, or like starting a label that had fair financial distribution. Like just like it's all principle. Right. There's no hard action happening from her. As far as impacting other artists. Right. Because I just think, as we were saying, like, the threat of, oh, someone might do this, it's, like, not going to happen. Like, right. no one else is going to do this. She's not uh, setting an example. Like, she's not, like, effectively warning labels in the way that I think maybe she thinks she is. Yeah. Because she's a little bit of a narcissist. Oh, completely. Um, which is fine. No, we celebrate that. Yeah, but... Um... Right. Okay, wait, actually, I have, I have another question kind of thought. Love it. What do we think about the concept of it as, parentheses, Taylor's version, if it seems like no creative liberties were made? Because I initially sort of thought when she said that, that she was like, okay, there were things that I wanted in these albums, musically or whatever, that didn't go in. I think she's just emphasizing that that they belong to her. Yeah. That she owns them. But you're right, like... Stevie just wanted to give her two cents on the whole situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole Taylor's version thing is weird because, like, I I do want like, obviously she was she was, what seventeen when this eighteen yeah. when this album came out like, like, there are definitely aspects of the original Fearless that probably like didn't go exactly as she wanted them to go and maybe she like, if she had it her way. It would have been different. Do you think Fearless was a good album to start doing this with? Yes, I think it's. A, I think, I think it's a smart. It was a smart choice because if she had started with the with debut, I, there's not enough music on that album that people would be excited about. Yeah. Whereas this, there are. I mean, love Sto- love story is like credited with like truly skyrocketing her to stardom. Yeah. There's you belong with me. There's, so there's all the singles, and then even the ones that aren't singles are still really are still really good, and people know and really really like. Where like people like obviously the Swifties are going to be excited to hear like 
perfectly good heart yeah. from the debut. But, like, you know, most people do not know, like, what that is and don't really care. So I, I think to get to get the project started, it's a, it was a smart decision. Um, she also would be picking her two most successful albums. Which right, yeah, which is, which is your theory. that. Well, yeah, like, because the thing is, like, I, I think that the other thing, and I, we might have mentioned this um, earlier, so I could be, you know. Repeating. Yeah. But I, I think, like, like, this is serving two purposes. The first is obviously just, like, you know, the, the stated purpose. Mm-hmm. She knows that the Swifties are going to go with her. And then the other purpose is getting people who either were too young and, like, you know, because Fearless came out 13 years ago, so there are people who are 13 now who... Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, or even just, like, people who are 15 now or 17 who were really young when that album came out. Right. And it just, like, you know, wasn't part of their life in the way it was for people our mm-hmm. age. Like, getting them on board. And, like, Fearless is a great album to get someone on board with because it's a great album. Uh, the, the thing of, well, the thing about Fearless also, and I did kind of mention this the other night, but I don't know if I articulated it well... Is like the debut was obviously had some amazing moments on it, but was pretty imperfect and not like the most like cohesive, polished like uh, package. And I think fearless, fearless is 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 a perfect continuation of the good ideas from the debut. So so like. Going from the, like, getting the youngins into Taylor Swift, this is a better one to start with because it's a more polished package. The branding is a little bit, like, more um, sure of itself. Just, like, she, she, it's just, it's more um, polished, I think. Well, yeah, and I guess sort of what I was saying is, like, I think Fearless and 1989 are two of her strongest full album efforts right and, and 1989 does the same thing that fearless does like, yes like because red Best red red yeah red kind of like was sort of dipping its foot into the pop stuff really really effectively but it wasn't like this like clean package 1989 was the clean packaged version of like the good ideas from red if you think of like the missteps on fearless and 1989 versus the missteps that are on in debut. my mind, debut Red, which, you know, is an album that I love, but has, it's, yeah. there's things that need to be cut that diminish the quality of the album. Yep. Um, but, like, 1989, like, I am not a huge Shake It Off fan, and I, like, am in the camp of people who dislike Bad Blood. Right. But, like, that is, like, that is a very, that's a really cohesive album. Even Sonic, it just, it's, like, yeah. e- even those two songs, which, again, I don't love, I think that the album would maybe be better off without them. I know you disagree with me on that, but, like... Mm-hmm. I'm with you on Shake It Off. Yeah, like, like I don't think, like, it's not, like, it's not, like, this, like, wild outlier. Right. That, <laughs> like, that, like, incredibly degrades the overall quality of the album. Like, Shake It Off isn't good, but it's not me. It's not, look what you made me do. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's not, like... It's, it's not... It's not stay, stay, stay. Right, exactly. It's not something that you're just like, it makes no sense why this was in here. It was like, you know, it was a very, like, her kind of, this is going to be the first single. It's really goofy. There was, like, the cheerleader thing. Like, there's, like, right. intention behind it. I just think it's a misfire. But, but, like, there's nothing on Fearless to me that I'm like, this sucks. Like, right. there's things I would... There's things that... There's songs that are skips, but they're not... They're not horrible. Right. It's it's like and it's it's like what we have been saying with folklore, where it's like the one the ones that 
the ones that quote unquote bring the album down on both Fearless and 1989 are just because they like maybe don't speak to you in the same way that some other ones do. Yeah. It's not because they are duds. Yeah. It's about taste level and just like what songs specifically hit you. Yeah. And maybe just like albums that are maybe a little, a hair too long. I was thinking, okay, I have a, uh, I have like a, like I had, I had this thought, a very half-baked thought. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was thinking about how in Mr. Perfectly Fine, she says the casually cruel line, mm-hmm. right? And how a lot of people, like, very immediately were sort of like, that's so crazy. Because in the, um, there's, like, that very, like, probably one of the best lines she's ever written, ever. In, in, all, in too all Too Well. well when she says, you call me up again just to break me like a promise, so casually cruel in the name of being honest. And that song's on Red, which is two albums later. Yeah, and th- and that is also like for a lot of her fans, and also for me and you as well. Yeah. Like one of her all time best best songs ever, and it yeah. is yeah. I like like I was like this is funny, and I and and I was I and I was just like that's cool that she had this line that she wrote when she was like seventeen and kept it on Red when she was like right. twenty two, but um, I was thinking about Fiona Apple. Um, because Fiona Apple is sort of famous for like a very like asynchronous kind of songwriting process and how in Fetch the Bullet Cutters in the song Relay, the line evil is a relay sport when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. She just like found in a journal of hers when she was like 15, which is yeah. disgusting. cuckoo crazy. <laughs> that she wrote that as a 15 year old. Yeah. But um, the fact that she was able to so easily incorporate that into her work as a 40 year old was really cool to a lot of people. And mm-hmm. I sort of see those parallels with, with, Taylor. with Taylor who, you know, like, I don't want to say that they like had similarities in the way that they were treated exactly because they had, I think were projected to be really different by the mm-hmm. media. But like they were both like women who were incredibly precocious, villainized for being that and whose entire lives were like put under like a huge magnifying glass. And a lot of their, inter- a lot of their actions were read in this like incredibly ungenerous way and they mm-hmm. were mocked and people thought they were dumb. And then later on in their careers sort of got this like reevaluation from people and being like, oh, like she's a genius. Yeah. But the difference obviously between those two people is that like Fiona Apple's response to that was being like, fuck all of you. I don't care what you think of me and I, I'm going to disappear and like, I'll give you a music every every eight years if you want. Right. She doesn't have any obligation to her fans. Um, and I also agree with that. Yeah. I don't think that musicians owe their fans things. I think you owe, like... I don't think you should be a dick to them. But yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm very much... Uh, like, I've always been kind of wary of the, the thing that Taylor does with, like, her fans. And, like, I think she's obviously stepped back from doing that as of late. But I just... Like it, it just it connects to like stan culture and all that stuff. But like the, she, like she really wants these fans to think that she's their friend, and she's just not right. And I, I think that the best thing that Taylor could do is like disappear. Not, not even disappear. <laughs> like I don't think she needs to disappear. I think that she, like, for what it's worth, like Taylor is like, I find when she's like on tar- talk shows, she's like she's rather endearing. Like sure, she's funny. She is like. But, like, I, I think that, like, for her, like, it is that thing of, like, you're not quite in on the joke. And, like, right. it's been really interesting, though, because, like, if you think about her, like, trajectory, right? She, like, is, like, the uncool kid from, like, you know, 
debut through Speak Now, kind of through Red. And then all of a sudden realizes that like she is this like really cool pop star she gets her like girl gang of models and cool people and she is like so much of that was just like here's a person who always felt like she was really rejected who now people like and she's just like excited about it but she's also one of the most famous people on the planet and decided to work that into her career decisions Um, yeah that's just that's so interesting like the because like, we were we were hyping ourselves up to listen to Fearless the other night, and we were watching the um, Fearless tour film thing on YouTube, and we kept remarking about how like she just like, despite the fact that she is like filling a fucking stadium and is like also just like fucking gorgeous and like radiant and like also like the beauty standard gorgeous too right Right. she's not she's not just like she's not she's not not someone who we're like oh she's gorgeous she's like a white skinny blonde woman right yeah and and but yet she's still like embodying i i joke about it all the time but like taylor swift moves her body like a uh a 13 year old girl at a bat mitzvah who's like putting on heels for the first time and like is like really excited to grind with a boy it's very much like teen pretending to be an adult or like experimenting with like being maybe a little bit like sexy but not ever crossing any kind of like real line of sexuality yeah but just like and then she tried to carry that I think the reason it all kind of came crashing down on her was that she was still kind of carrying that energy through on Red in 1989 and Reputation, but was, because that's who she is, that's how she, that's just like how she presents herself, it's how she moves her body, it's not really her fault, she's not like exactly a gifted mover, (laughs) Um, but like, because she was like, oh, I'm a cool kid now, there was, there was a dissonance in the energy and it felt very like put on I mean, this is in some... a way that it wasn't put on yeah on, like the, the fearless world tour it, it was so it was teen girl just like energy and it was appropriate because she was a teen girl yeah but when she sort of mixes that energy with i'm actually hot and look at all my gorgeous friends and like they're burning all the wishes if you, even if you aren't one like yeah it's like we see through it yeah and i also think like i don't think that taylor swift you know fearless era was like cool quote unquote right but i didn't listen to taylor swift's music a lot when i was younger because i as someone who was actually uncool right or or really didn't fit in didn't relate to it at all because because Cool kids wear t-shirts too. You know what I mean? Like, most girls are not cheerleaders. And even the cheerleaders feel left out sometimes. Like, it's, it's like, she managed to kind of create this, and this is very similar to even what she's doing now, right? She's creating this idea that she is, like, an underdog in a situation where she's She's not an underdog. And, like, I think, like, everyone can sort of relate to feeling like an underdog at some point. And, like... And, and, like, and like that's the thing that I think people do find frustrating with her. That was why people were like, why do you act so shocked every time you win an award? And, like, of course, now looking back on it, like, you're 18 years old. You win a fucking Grammy for Album of the Year. You can make whatever face you want. Right. And, like, people found it annoying because she was winning everything and whatever. Like, 
who cares? Yeah. Like, I, it's a, I think it's a dumb criticism, but it's something people have always found frustrating about her, is her acting like she is, like, a victim in a situation where she is in no imaginable way a victim. Right. Like, Taylor Swift was wronged by her label. She was wronged by a lot of people. She got a ton of unnecessary hate by a misogynist media that has done this to every single famous woman in the history of the world. Right. Does not make it okay. Does not mean she should not draw attention to it. Yes. But she is not... She is not the the capital V victim. Taylor Swift has more influence over the music industry than probably any other working pop star right now. Except for maybe Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah. And Beyonce's way of doing that is completely different. Yeah. She exerts a lot of soft power. She also like is, She she disappears for a long time. Yeah, and she she up. also is like married to Jay Z, who is like, you know, another person right. who has like who is like actually very industry, industry, industry. Right. And and also like when you think of the ways Beyonce have, has changed the industry and influenced the industry, it is purely in the, it's, it's in her creative and marketing choices. Yeah. So for her, like, you know, uh, like the fact that she created the digital drop, right? Right. Insane, but she wasn't sitting there like artists shouldn't have to do promo cycles. Well, but she yeah. also, but she also was part of the whole title thing. Yeah. Which just kind of didn't go anywhere. Because the, the whole thing with title which was the uh, streaming platform that she and Jay-Z kind of co-founded and yeah. got a bunch of people in on. I don't know if Taylor was part of that. I don't remember. Yeah, I um, She probably was, yeah. is my guess. But, like, you know, I remember, like, Nikki and Rihanna and, like, all, all of these enormous fucking stars were, like, signing in as part owners of this, like, new streaming platform that was apparently going to, like, pay artists a ton more money and, like, you know, be really fair to all of these artists and... It got a ton of criticism, and I mean, it still exists, but it's just, it's not really a factor in the industry, but it, like, it got a ton of flack because it was like, one, this is coming from literally the two richest people in this industry, Beyonce and Jay-Z. These are not the people that it's affecting. Two, it was like, so fucking, it was like twenty five ninety nine a month. It was so expensive to be a part of it, and so it's, it's so like... It's interesting that we bring up Beyonce as maybe someone who has a little bit more influence over Taylor because, like, Beyonce actually took the actionable steps to try to, like, create a system that was maybe better and more fair for artists, and it didn't work. Yeah. So it just speaks to how how much what Taylor's doing right now, which is actually not taking any actionable steps on behalf of other artists, is just, like, so not going to work. Yeah. And, you know, I'd love to be wrong about this. But I sure. just I just don't yeah. Yeah, I I yeah. Um, okay. You might need to wrap up. Yeah, I think we should wrap up. Um, final closing thoughts. Um happy that she did this. Okay. On the spot question. Yep. Next time you turn on a song from Fearless, are you going original or Taylor's version? That is a good question. I don't know. Probably probably Taylor's version. Probably Taylor's version. God, I'm gonna have to re up all my playlists. Aren't yeah, I? that's 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 my thought. Oh. Like, I don't. I rarely go back and listen to Fearless like from the album. It's just like whatever ones are on. Yeah. Playlists. So. I agree. yeah. I, I feel fine doing that. I I don't. I I will say it. I don't feel like that's something that I need to do. Yeah. Totally. Um. I just. I think that like a lot of the songs were improved, and she sounds better on them. So I'd rather hear her. When she sounds better. I agree. Okay. Sam, that was great. That was a great talk. Yeah, that was a great talk. Really Hope you guys enjoyed listening to this kind of maybe disjointed yeah, episode. We're kind of we're queering time. <laughs> um, so look out. We j- for another episode coming soon about 
Julian Baker and it's a little, Claude. It's a little... It, we've recorded a while ago, but sometimes this is the way life is. Right. And, um, yeah. Thanks for uh, coming back to us after a little bit of an unintentional hiatus. But we're, we're back and we love doing this, so we're yeah. going to keep doing it. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow us individually on Twitter, W-R-A-T-P-O-D. Um... Post us on your Instagram stories. Tell, tell us people. Your, tell your friends. Follow if you don't follow. Follow us on Spotify. We're on Apple Music, etc. etc. Yeah. Um, Get the word out, people. Woo-hoo. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>